All right, today we're starting a new series called Life Hacks. Life Hacks. Um, I figured if I knew what Life Hacks meant, um, everybody else knew what it meant because I'm really not all that cool. I discovered earlier this morning that um, there's a whole lot of people less cool than me. Um, so just so you know what a life hack is, a uh, life hack is, no, don't, don't, don't steal my thunder, Peyton. Gee, my knee. That, they said that was the best part of the sermon last service. Um, all right, so a life hack, for those of you that don't know, and you don't have to raise your hand, just pretend like you know, um, is, is a trick uh, or a technique or a skill that uh, you use in life to make life easier, okay? So that, that's what a life hack is. So uh, if you Google, that's also on the internet, uh, if you Google on the internet life hack, you could even go to a website called lifehack.org, or maybe it's lifehacks.org, I don't know, Google it, uh, and you get all sorts of really, really useful kinds of things, like, like this, Peyton, uh, before you throw away a post-it, you should run it between the keys on your keyboard to collect the crumbs and fluff. I mean, that, where's that been all our lives? I mean, this, how have we made it this far? Um, let's see, we've got other profound. Tie a small piece of bright colored fabric to your luggage, and it saves a lot of time uh, identifying your bag. Because if you're like, oh, mine's the black bag with the wheels and, the, you know, the giraffe print ribbon on it, that works much better. How about, how about this one? Put old newspaper at the bottom of your uh, bin to absorb food juices. I, I call it trash juice. They call it food juice. But if you put that down there, it soaks it all up. Mm. Okay, let's see. We've got other ones. Uh, use a, a koozie there to cover your stick on hot days. So if you don't want to grab that hot gear shifter, you just put a koozie on top. I don't really know how well I think this would work, but, but it's a life hack. It's on the internet. It's got to be true. All right, let's see. How about this? A quick and easy iPhone speaker. Uh, so you just save that toilet paper roll, cut a little hole in there, and just benito. That's it right there. All right, next, what else we've got? Uh, if you are going to have a campfire and you didn't bring any kindling, but you've got a whole bag of Doritos, and you're like, what are we going to do to start this campfire? You pull out the bag of Doritos because apparently they're ridiculously flammable. Who, who knew? Okay, so those are your life hacks. Those are, those are some from the internet. Uh, but before life hacks had been invented, they didn't know that you needed a hack for life. Uh, the ancient people had what we call proverbs. And proverbs are these short, little pithy statements, uh, little kind of things that you can easily remember that you're not going to forget that sort of tell you how life is. And the idea of these statements, and Solomon wrote a lot of them, and we've got them here in the book of Proverbs, uh, but we also know that Solomon had picked up and collected some from other people, and we know that other people at this point in time were writing Proverbs. These were sort of the original life hacks. These, these little statements that, that if you remembered them, your life would be a lot easier. Maybe not quite as easy as cutting a hole in a paper tube for your iPhone speaker, but easier nonetheless. Let, let's look at a few life hacks from the book of Proverbs. So this Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This, this is just good, just life advice. You know, if you don't believe me, ask a customer service representative uh, how this goes. You know, somebody's calling, they're angry at the world, they want to have a battle with you, and if you're like, man, let me tell you what I really think about you, you just, like, you've escalated. It's now exponentially a bigger fight. But if instead you say, hey, I'm sorry, it's all coming down. Okay, just a little life hack there. Just a soft answer turns away wrath. How about this one right here? 
Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses a neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Okay, so uh, morning people, raise your hands. Go ahead, put them up. That's right. Don't, you don't need to be ashamed of that. There's more of you, I know. So you're thinking to yourself, Saturday morning, sun's shining, it's 5 o'clock, everybody's awake, right? Let's mow the lawn. Let's mow the lawn. This is perfect. So we're going to mow the lawn 5 Saturday, then I got the rest of the day to myself. You're mowing your lawn, you're singing praise to Jesus. Your neighbor, however, is not doing that. Your neighbor is hearing the lawnmower, and they are cursing you, is what they're doing. They are they're calling out to the Lord, but not in a positive way. They're praying that you would be like the grass that you're cutting and you know, shriveled up and blown away. That's sort of a biblical image there for you. Um, because here's the truth in this verse, is some of us wake up and we're like, oh, good morning, Lord. And other people are there waking up and they're going, good Lord, it's morning. And that's, there's a big difference between, between the two. And so Proverbs is saying, listen, uh, keep it down. Keep it down you know, in the morning. Keep it down. All right, how about this next one? Uh, Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your children and they will give you rest. They will give delight to your heart. Uh, this is one of the sort of recurring themes in the book of Proverbs, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we get on, but a lot of parenting advice is in there. And, and this is just kind of a, a blanket summary statement that says, if you let the kids do whatever they want and run all over, they're going to run all over you later in life. But if you get a little bit of control, it's, it goes better for you. All right, so that, that's the third one. Uh, last one here. How about this one? Wealth hastily gotten will dwindle, but those who gather little by little will increase it. So uh, recently, people have studied this phenomenon of lottery winners, how they win the lottery, they end up bankrupt or divorced or both, life's in shambles. Uh, Proverbs sort of already told us that's how that worked. Um, if you, you, know, you, you have a get-rich-quick scheme, it's usually a get-rich-and-then-poor-again scheme is how that works. And, and this is what Proverbs is telling us, is there's no quick solution to this. It, it takes little steps, baby steps. You increase it little by little. And, and this is what the book of Proverbs is full of. It's got a lot of life hacks like this. Things that, that if you really paid attention to it and you really memorized it and internalized it, you would find that your life would probably be run a lot better. And so where do we start with this? You know, where do we get into all of these things? Well, let, let's go to the very beginning of the book of Proverbs. In the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, you've got the first seven verses serves sort of like an introduction, a prologue, sort of a preface to the whole book, saying this is what it's going to be about. But then verse 8 gives us the very first life hack that I think is the key for all the other ones. And let's, let's look at this one here. Let's read this first word together. Proverbs 1.8, what's that first word there? It says listen. I says, listen. That is life hack number one is listen. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Listening is really the key to all of this. And I, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag early, just kind of tell you what this is all about. I think really the, the take-home message for us is this, is that we can be skilled at life through listening. We can be skilled at life through listening. Uh, the word wisdom in the book of Proverbs is also translated other places as technical skill, kind of a, an aptitude, an ability, a skill. And so Proverbs give us skills for life. They give us life skills, ways that we sort of can live through life. And the first skill that we need to master in our life is to listening. And if we listen, we can be skilled for life. Now, the older I get, the better I understand this advice, particularly this idea of listening to the wise. Because when you, when you reach that pinnacle of, of self-perceived human intelligence, notice that word, self-perceived 
human intelligence, you get that peak age of like 19 is about what like the, the self-perceived age of understanding wisdom is 19. And, and I feel bad always for the freshmen, the college freshmen that come home that first summer, it's always so hard. You see the look on that child's face in service and they're, they're mad. Their parents, they're mad. There's something that's happened there. You, you get your first year of college and you start to learn some things and then you, know, you start to realize that you are in fact the smartest person in the world and then you come home and you start to look out upon the precipice, the pinnacle of your great understanding and you look out into the distance of all the possibility that could be for your life and you look down the bottom of the, the base of that mountain, far down there, like looking like ants or these poor people wandering around, around lost or drooling on themselves, they're just confused. And those are your parents. Um, and you, you start to just realize, I'm so much smarter. But then something happens, whether it's the first job or some, some failure or heartache, something happens, and you get, like, pushed off of that thing, and you land with a great big, you know, splat on the, on the you know, reality of life. And you start to look around and go, you know, maybe they knew more than I thought they knew. And this is what Proverbs is telling us, is we've got to listen to the wise We've got to listen to, uh, maybe some of you call them the old people. You've got to listen to the old people in order to get some understanding. Okay, so what are the benefits of this? If, if I were to do this, what are the benefits of this? Well, how about this? The first is this, is that listening to wisdom, read that as old people, people that have some wisdom, leads us to live a life worth celebrating. Listening to wisdom leads us to live a life worth celebrating. Now, what kind of lives do we celebrate? Well, we celebrate lives that, that make a difference, somebody that touches us, somebody that touches us maybe in our family, maybe in our community, maybe in the nation, and, and we go, these are the people whose lives we just, man, we're so blessed to have these kinds of people. Now, but what is it that takes a person and, and transforms that life into a life that people celebrate? I, I think really the one skill that they have is listening. Think about it. Somebody in your family maybe has really touched you or somebody that's a friend or a close friend or a mentor really has touched you. Why did they touch you? It's because they listened to you, they listened to what you had to say, and they listened to sort of what your life was doing, and they shared with you their perspective. They, it starts, though, with listening. Think about somebody in business that's successful. People that are successful in business are successful because they, they listened to what the market was saying, what people needed, what people wanted, and they figured out a way that they could provide and meet that need. And so they were, through listening, able to respond, and there was great success. Same thing's true with a good leader, right? They listen to the people, they listen to the times, they look at what's out there, and they say, this is the direction we need to go, and this is how we get there. Listening is a critical skill in all of those places. So if you want to live a life worth celebrating, you need to listen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 9, right after it tells us to listen, tells us why. It says this, it says, they, this is the teaching of the father and mother, they are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now, we don't talk a lot about chains and garlands today, except maybe around Christmas time. Uh, but in the ancient world, a garland was a sign of victory. They would put a wreath on your head, and that meant you won. You won the race. You won the competition. You won whatever. And so Solomon is really practically saying this. If you want to live, or if you want to win at life, listen. Listen to wisdom. 
You can be skilled for life through listening. The chain, this is a sign of responsibility. Uh, Solomon's saying this, do you want to get somewhere in life? Do you want to be somebody? Do you want to mean something to some people? Listen. It starts with listening. Uh, Listening does another thing, too. It's listening to the wise gives us their years of experience for free. It lets us have their years of experience without the cost of having to live those years. You know, we live in a time where we've got a lot of information. I don't know if you've noticed this, but, I mean, you can figure out how to do just about anything with a good internet connection and the ability to access YouTube. This is true. You want to learn how to change your brakes? YouTube's the place to go. You want to learn how to rebuild the small engine? YouTube. You just YouTube it. There's some guy with a lot of free time and a webcam, and he has uploaded all of this stuff for you. This week, just for fun, I was looking up if I could find a YouTube video on how to do an emergency appendectomy on myself. Not that I needed it, but I just wanted to see if it was out there. I, I mean, I've got a job, so I didn't get to spend as much time looking for that as I wanted to, but they do have surgical videos. I think if you really had to, and if it was just you... I, I wouldn't take my chances, but maybe you could. I'm not sure. So, I mean, but really, you can find anything on the Internet. It's true. You just Google something, and, man, you, you learn that. And so th- this is what happened not that long ago. The church, we got the bus right, and so uh, we realized that we needed people to be able to drive the bus because you, you just can't hop in there and be like, I, I got this. Um, they want you to have a special license. And so I spent a lot of time on YouTube, Google, uh, reading things, all sorts of stuff. You know, I'd watch some videos. And the hardest part of getting the CDL, I'm just going to tell you, is the mechanical inspection up front. If you're not a mechanic, like you've got to be able to describe all the pieces, the parts, uh, that thing that looks like a bent paper clip that just got stuck there, that's actually called the cotter pin that better not be removed, despite the fact that you think it's just trash. It's got to stay. It's important. Um, all this kind of stuff. I mean, all of these things you learn. And so I learned all this stuff, watched the YouTube videos, went for my test, and guess what? I totally failed. I just totally failed the mechanical inspection. They wouldn't even let me drive the bus. They're like, they're like I'm sorry. Just step away slowly you don't know anything about this and so I had to I had to walk away you know the head down in shame Steve Eaton was there he drove me out and um, now Steve if you know Steve he's a great guy he's also a coach uh, over at uh, I think he's at South Warren now anyway so he drives school bus for Warren County Schools and he said hey listen we're gonna do this thing together and so he he walked me through this and I asked him questions and he told me and so there's something that happens when you connect with wise people you get to learn from their experience in a way that maybe YouTube and Google doesn't quite provide there's something about listening to the wise Uh, listening and observing the wise it allows us to learn from their failures without having to experience them ourselves what an incredible blessing. How about this? Sim Keller had a family member uh, who never wore his seatbelt. He just like refused to wear a seatbelt. This thing just can keep me trapped in the car. I don't want it. This is evil. You know, this is the government interfering in my life. I mean, you know these people. And so he just refused to wear the seatbelt. Uh, one day, I mean, this has gone on for years, decades. Nobody even asked him about it anymore. He hops in the car with this guy, and uh, he, he all of a sudden buckles the seatbelt. And he said, well, What's the deal, man? Why are you starting to unbuckle your seatbelt? Did you get a ticket? You know, what's, what's happening? He said, uh, straight face, true story. He said, actually, I, I visited my friend in the hospital last week. He said he never wore a seatbelt also. And he got in a head-on collision, flew through the windshield, uh, landed with a skid on the pavement. And I realized I didn't have to be like that. I realized that if I wore my seatbelt, I could avoid that. There's something about that. You look at somebody whose life has maybe had a few crashes and collisions, and if you would just listen, you don't have to have them yourself. 
That's the beauty of listening to the wise. Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 2 says this, My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Why does it give us abundant welfare? Why does it give us length of days? It's because we're learning from their mistakes instead of having them ourselves. That's the beauty of listening to the wise. And so if we do this, if we're saying, yeah, I want that, then we've got to pick the right people to listen to. And so let's ask this question, you know, who do we need to listen to? Well, we get wisdom by listening to a few people. One is, is we get the perspective of people who care for us. The people that care for us, if we listen to them, we get wisdom. If you're here this morning and, and in a room this size, there's obviously somebody who's facing a really major decision in your life. Maybe it's a small one, but you're kind of going, what, which way do I need to turn? Who, you know, where, where should I go? What should I do? Step one is find somebody that cares for you and ask them just for their perspective. It doesn't mean you have to take it. It just means you have to listen to it because if we listen, we get skilled for life. And you want to get somebody who's going to give you advice that's in your best interest. There's been a lot of commercials lately and legislation passed and disclosures and forms and all these things in the financial sector uh, of America uh, about getting financial advice. Uh, there's a conflict of interest, apparently, because some people give you financial advice and then also sell you financial products, and, and sometimes they get commissions on those financial products, and so they steer you in a way that's not in your best interest, but it's in their best interest. And so, you know, the big thing that's out there right now is ask, are you giving me advice that's in my best interest? Are you giving me fiduciary advice? And if the answer is no, they say, well, go find somebody else or figure out what, what advice they're giving you. Because there are times in our lives when somebody isn't looking out for us, and they give us advice maybe that's not in our best interest. And so if you're here and you're going, man, I just want to get some good advice, ask yourself this question, who is it that wants to see you win in life? Who is it that wants to see you succeed above all else in life? Who is it that when they say, man, what do you want for me? They say, I just want to see you follow God and, and, and live the best life that you can live. Find that person and ask them for their perspective and say, what do you think I should do? Ask them for that advice because you want to get advice from somebody who cares for you. Proverbs implores us in chapter 23, verse 26. He says, my child, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Why would we give our heart to somebody if they didn't have our best interest in mind? The answer is you wouldn't. You wouldn't. And so if you're needing advice, find somebody that just wants you to succeed in life. The second person you should get advice from is, is from those who have led a life that you want to live. Um, you want to be successful in some area, find somebody who's been successful in that area. Go ask them, what did you do? How did you get there? I mean, if you want to be good in business, you want to get some good advice in business, find somebody who's got a business that is successful or that have started a few businesses that are successful and ask them, say, how do you do that? If you want to have a good marriage, find somebody who's got a good marriage and say, how did you do that? Now, you might be saying, well, that's, that's sort of self-obvious. It's not. It's not. Because here's the thing. People that have been successful aren't really bursting with enthusiasm to tell you about that. If you'll think about it, it's the people who've had a lot of failure want to tell you about it, right? 
You know, somebody who's started five businesses and six of them have failed. You know what I mean? They're now through their, like, their fourth bankruptcy, and, and they've learned it the hard way. And they want to tell you all about how to do business and how to watch out for this and that, and here's the trick, and this is how you can make this happen fast, and this is how to succeed in business without really trying. Those are the people that want to give you advice. Same thing's true with marriage, right? You don't see a lot of 60-year-old couples just running around that have been married for 60 years going, man, I just want to tell you the secret of happiness. What do you find? You find somebody who's got an ax to grind because it's now it's divorce number three, right? And they're going, man, I'm just going to tell you about the opposite sex, and I'm going to tell you about all these people and the evils of men and the evils of women and why marriage is just, it's a scam. And, and, and they're just, man, they are bursting with enthusiasm to tell you about how to do it right because they've only ever done it wrong. But whenever somebody gives me advice, I always sort of run through this filter. I say, if I listen to your advice, my life is going to end up like yours. Is that what I want? And that's the question we should always ask. Is this the kind of advice that I want? Is that the kind of life that I want to live? Proverbs reminds us of this. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers, what's the word up there? Suffers hard. suffers. Perfect. Thank you. Good. We got to listen. If we got to listen to the wise, if we don't want to suffer harm, I'll tell you, I have taken this to heart in my life, and it's... I have learned so much. I'll call somebody up. I'll say, hey, let me take you out to lunch. Let me buy you coffee. Let me spend some time with you, because I just want to ask you, how did you do this? And you spend some time with somebody, you spend some time with some brilliant people, people who have succeeded where you want to succeed, and guess what? They give you guidance on how to succeed. Those are the people you want to talk to. Third, third uh, place we should get wisdom is we should get God's guidance through prayer. Um, I, I know we've got a lot of really devout people here. You're like, you should have started with that. Yeah, I, I kind of get that. But, but here's the thing is that God gives us advice often through people. He gives us really good guidance through people. Um, the book of James does tell us this, though. It says that God wants to give wisdom. It says if you're lacking in wisdom and you want wisdom, you ask God. God gives it to you. God wants to give you wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7, the book we're in right now, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, now why is it that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? Well, it's because it, if the fear of the Lord recognizes that God is sort of like the center of the world, not you. I know this is, this is hard for some of you to, to acknowledge this, but, but God is the center of the universe. And when we, we say, God, you're the center of the universe, what is it that you want me to do? And we realize that we become happiest when we make God happy, things start to come, come into place. And so if we want to become wise people, we need to seek God's wisdom as well. As Christians, we need to be committed to praying about difficult decisions we face in life. So often we, we are skilled worriers and fretters and anxiousers, anxietyers, whatever the word for that is. You know, we're, we're all of that, and yet so often we could just be rid of some of that worry and anxiety and stress if we would say, God, would you give me some wisdom in this? If you really struggle with that, a really helpful practice would be to maybe journal. You get a journal. It doesn't have to be, dear diary, today we did this. It could just be, hey, God, this is the situation I'm facing. You could write it all in there, and then you can close it, and you can say, God, I'm going to leave this for you to deal with, and then you can revisit it later when you want to have time to pray. But seeking God's guidance through prayer is such a helpful and beneficial practice for us to do. So that's how we get wise. We listen to those that care for us, those that have lived a life that we want to live. And if you can find the two in one, man, that's, a, that's the right person to talk to, that type of person. 
You want to talk to that person. And you want to see God's uh, wisdom in prayer. I want to close here with this, this story because while Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and he had all manner of wisdom, his son Rehoboam, uh, like it skipped a generation. Wisdom that was there with Solomon, it skipped Rehoboam, and it, I don't know that it ever came back, but, but it skipped Rehoboam. And, and at the end of the book, or the middle of the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 12, and I'll tell you the story, we won't look this up, but in 1 Kings 12, um, you've got the story of Rehoboam. His father, Solomon, he dies and now Rehoboam's going to be the king. And so all of the people gather to Rehoboam, and they say, Rehoboam, listen, this has been a great ride with your dad. You know, we've built the temple, we've built your dad like 10 really big houses, and we're all kind of tired. Um, do you think, Rehoboam, that we could take a break on taxes, we could take a break on the forced labor thing, and that maybe you could just kind of lighten our load a little bit? If you do that, Rehoboam, we will serve you and your family forever. And so Rehoboam, he's new at being king, and so to his credit, he tries to get some advice. And so he goes to two groups of people. The first group of people were, were the advisors that had advised his father. These were Solomon's, it's wisdom, Solomon's wisdom trust. I mean, wouldn't you like to talk with those guys for a while? Um, Solomon's trust of wisdom. And he goes to him, he says, the people have asked that I lighten the load on them. What do you think we should do? And the people that advised Solomon, his father, said, listen, you should do that. You should give them a break. You should lighten the load because if you do that, the people will have great loyalty to you. They will serve you forever. Do that. He, he didn't like that advice or he didn't know what to think about it. So then he went and asked some people maybe that he'd graduated with, he'd gone to school with, he, maybe he shot pool with these people. I don't know what he did with these guys. But he asked them, he says, hey, what do you think I should do? Should I lighten the load? These people are wanting, wanting me to lighten the load. And his friends say, no, nah, they're a bunch of whiners. I mean, we're not going to get anywhere if we lighten the load. I mean, tell him, tell him your father, he whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with a scorpion. I, I don't know how you would do that, but I mean, that was the advice they gave him. And so he's thinking about the advice, and he's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I'm going to whip him with scorpions. And so he comes back to the people. He says, all right, I've thought about this. And you ask for a lighter load, I'm going to give you a heavier load, and I'm going to whip you with scorpions. Now, you can imagine how that went over. Uh, not, not real well. Uh, and the people were like, hey, guess what? We're gone we're gone. We don't have any part in your family. You're not part of our tribe. You're not part of our clan. We're leaving. And as a result of that, 10 of them leave. 10 of the tribes of Israel leave, and the kingdom splits forever. Now, let's just look at these two groups of people real quick here. This group, this first group of people, did they have his best interest in mind? Absolutely. These were people that had seen Solomon grow up. They remembered when Solomon was like that tall, and they're like, I remember when your dad brought you home to the, the palace, and you've grown up here, and Solomon, we just want you to win at life. Let's do this, Solomon. These are people that had been there. These are people who had advised the, the, the father, Solomon, on how to, to have the kingdom that he had. And yet, instead of looking at people that had his best interests in mind, had been where he wanted to be, he said, you know what? No, I want to talk to these guys. Did these guys have the best interests in mind? Absolutely not. They said, you know what? We want a bigger office. We want more money. We want to become richer as they become poor. So no, we're not going to do that. They're looking out for themselves. Had they advised the kingdom before? Absolutely not. And so as a result, the whole thing fails. And so the challenge for us this series is this, is that we would become wise through listening. I, I want to give you a challenge. This is extra credit. I won't ask you to show your papers at the door when you come in next week, but there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, perfect number of chapters to read through in an entire month. One of the guys I admire most 
in, in my life, a guy I've seen do a lot of ministry, uh, he's got this uncanny ability. You talk to him for 30 minutes, and he'll say, so the question you're really asking is this, and he can take a whole 30-minute conversation and bring it down to one question. It's spooky. Um, and he asked that question. And one day I asked him, I said, what, what do you do in your devotional practice? He said, well, I try to always start my day with a proverb because I know that he was the wisest man that's ever lived, ever will live, and so I figure if I want to be wise, I should spend some time with him. Genius, and that's why he's a lot smarter than I am. So I would say this. Let's, let's as a church, maybe take this as a challenge, an informal challenge. Again, I'm not going to double-check. But let's start each day, maybe this month, with a proverb, one of the chapters, and see what happens. See if we don't just become like genius level with life hacks. Let's just, I, I, think, I think we could only win at life if we give it a try. All right, let me pray. God, we thank you so much for your word, which gives us incredibly, incredibly practical advice, namely to listen. And so God, we see in the word that it is the fear of you that is the beginning of all understanding. And God, this morning we're here because we want to be wiser, we want to win at life, and really we want to please you. And so God, as we go through this series, would you just give us the strength to listen, listen to advice maybe we don't want but we need, uh, listen to direction, listen to you, listen to those that are around us. And God, would you help us to become wise as we walk with the wise and listen to them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, this morning is our song of decision. We do this every week. Um, and really what this is, is we just know God's spirit is at work uh, throughout the week in your lives. And yet there's special times that you've got to say, you know, I, I want to make a decision public. And so this morning we've got two uh, great kids that are come forward. They're going to be baptized. Um, and perhaps it's your morning too. I don't know, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're saying, this is the morning I want to, I want to begin my walk of wisdom. I want, to, I want to surrender my life. I want to be baptized into Christ. And that's, I know that's the beginning of understanding. And if that's a decision you have to make this morning, we'll invite you to come forward. Uh, there's plenty of, of towels, room. There's plenty of water in the jacuzzi for Jesus over here. Um, so we're ready for you. Uh, others of you, maybe you've got a different decision to make. Maybe you're saying, I want to make a commitment to a church that's going to grow in wisdom and help me to grow in wisdom. Um, and so maybe you want to come forward this morning and, and place your membership here. If that's the case, we'd be glad for you to do that as well. Um, if you don't have one of those decisions to make, it doesn't mean that you can't be listening to God's Spirit. Use this time for prayer as we get ready also for our time of communion together. Why don't you stand?